me welcome Pastor Don Allen from the church at War Hill. Three and a half miles right down the road helping us host the North Georgia Revival. A great friend of the house. Welcome Pastor Don Allen, please. Hallelujah. How many know the Lord's good? All right. Well, you may be seated tonight. Such an honor to see you in God's house. And I tell you, he's been up to some amazing things. Uh, the reports I've gotten from our central campus, from uh, other campuses today, we had almost uh, 20 saved this morning at War Hill. Come on. Give the Lord a praise for that. Uh, God's been up to some amazing things and just so, so thankful for what the Lord is doing and just glad to be here. Now, I, I've got to be honest with you. I, I'm a, you know, I've preached here for you know, over four years and I'm a little intimidated tonight. Let me tell you why I'm intimidated. You know, when you come up to me and you say, wow, wasn't that an amazing sermon? And I'm like, which one? And I should know better than asking. Because everyone, I want to say thank you for causing this intimidation. Because every one of you that have said that lately have been like the message that Pastor Christina brought during the women's conference. Come on now. I said, I told her I'm just going to start following her around. Come on, amen. And, and then to make it worse, I mean, he used to, throw me behind any guest speaker that was famous. He'd be like, let Don get the next week. And I'm like, am I batting cleanup or what? I didn't know. But last week, he turned a wild man loose in this place with Pastor Robbie Mathis. And I mean, the, did he not bring the word last week? Amen. And then to make it worse, the Lord gave me a message on the blood covenant. And I got to preach it in front of Karen Smith. Dr. Karen Smith, come on. I, I, I'm just in trouble all the way around. So I am so honored to get to approach this place in the spirit of intimidation tonight. But I have a word for you. And I want to bring you a message tonight entitled Four Seconds of Blood. And in many ways, this, this sermon is, is almost five years in the making. And Father, I thank you. I lift my hands heavenward. I don't know everything you're going to do in this place tonight. But I know there's an anointing in the house. I know that your presence is here. Lord, you, 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 you showed me how you were ordaining yet even the word tonight in such a, such a move in worship, but you were ordaining the word because somebody present, somebody watching, someone needs the word. Change our hearts. Change our lives. and Make us yours. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Tonight I want to take you to the book of John, chapter number 19. Book of John, chapter number 19. Actually, I'm going to start in verse number 33. John, chapter 19, verse 33. While you're turning there, let me just say, I am so thankful that I have seen God do amazing things in these uh, waters, in these altars, in this house, in this community. And we're watching it literally around the nation. 
as people are embracing the move of the Holy Spirit. While you're turning there, let me also say it's such an honor that where at places I go, people say, they, they, they walk up to me and, and they say, you're, you're one of those guys that, that's over there with that Todd Smith fellow. And you know what? I am one of those guys and I'm honored to be counted among your family and your friends and your brothers in this process. Now I'm going to tell you in a moment after reading the word, it wasn't always that way. I might have cut you for that four and a half years ago. John chapter 19 reads like this. Some of you are like, what's he talking about? You, I'll get there. It's worth the wait. But when they came to Jesus, they saw that he was already dead. Now notice this. So they didn't break his legs. And one of the soldiers, however, now that's almost as if it sounds like, like by chance. But it wasn't by chance, it was by divine appointment. He pierced his side with a spear. And immediately, I want you to notice what happened. Immediately, blood and water flowed. Blood and water flowed. Now tonight, some of you came here for one reason. You came here for the water. You came to get into the water, but you see, what's happened is that God sent me with a message almost of, of calibration that I believe is going to, to open. Say the word open. A new stage, a new environment, a new opportunity for this house because there was something that was begun with the blood and the water. You see... What God did five years ago was that he, for several months after the presence of God moved, Pastor Todd saw the manifestation of the vision begin to happen in this house as God's fire fell upon the water in that baptistry. As that began to happen, what happened for the first several months was God got this house ready. God cleaned up this house. God dealt with this house, and I'm going to tell you, I'll never forget the day that I realized there was a true move of God happening in Dawsonville, Georgia, because, watch what I'm about to say, I, I, God told me to, to, to bless somebody, and, and when I felt like that, that <clears throat> it was supposed to be Todd Smith, I told the guy with me, they're in a chance on the planet. The Holy Spirit said, you're telling me you won't do what's right with what God's put in your hands? And it wasn't that he was a bad person. It wasn't that I was a bad person. It was that over time, things had occurred that caused us to maybe feel, I, don't, I can't speak for him, but to feel betrayed, to feel like somehow that our confidence had been broken or whatever those things were. And as those things began to, to manifest in our lives, you better watch out because bitterness will come in. And I called him on the phone after arguing with God. Matter of fact, the guy who told me, he said, well, if you're having that much trouble with it, then he's probably the person you need to bless. I said, get out of my truck. I, I made him get out of the truck. I argued with the Holy Ghost. I said, if I call, I said, the last time I reached out to him, he didn't respond for six months. I said, if I call him and he doesn't answer, it's just going to get worse. And I called begrudgingly. I said, okay, I literally said this, God, this is your fault. Now there's blood and water. 
when I called him and he answered the phone, I heard a different man, which made me want to be a different man. And what made us, I, I can hardly even remember what it was. Why? Because before people came to this house for the water, they came for the blood. Before they came for the water, they walked in and I watched them meet in these altars, look each other in the eyes and say, I need you to forgive me. Now, ours had to be more publicly apparent. We couldn't just meet down there in the side room. But right here on this spot, when we publicly forgave each other, right here on this spot, what had happened in this house, it was literally like the doors of this house sprung open and it moved from a house move of God to a community, an area-wide regional move of God. Why? Because people would say to me, Aren't you worried that there's something wrong with that doctrine? I said, all I know is people are walking up, they're getting in the water, and when they get in the water, all of a sudden they're beginning to declare that there's, there's, uh, there's sins, and they're declaring their burdens, and they're declaring their struggles. And I, my goodness, I watched one man walk up in there, and I thought, I said, man, you're crazy. He walked up there, and he said, I'm having an affair right now. And I watched God healing. And I watched God heal their marriage. I watched one after the other. I said, I said, they're not only saying it to the house, they're saying it to the world. Then Sid Roth came along, and what was regional exploded around the world, and God did something amazing. We're thankful for that partnership. But I want you to understand that it did not start because of just water. It started because men like Pastor David and Pastor Marty walked to this altar and found forgiveness for each other. They got their lives under the blood. Listen to what I'm about to tell you. The blood and water. God can't do in the water what he wants to do in the water if you won't get under the blood. Until you begin. Somebody said, what does that mean? I think it's the most brilliant question I've been asked in a while. What it means is, see, we talk about stuff in church that the world doesn't understand. What it means is to get under the blood means that I can't, if I can't live like Jesus lived, if I can't do what Jesus said to do, then I'm not walking covered in the blood. Let me tell you what the Holy Spirit spoke to me down there. He said, you can't walk under the blood when you're out for blood. I thought about it, would have hurt, it wouldn't have hurt my feelings at all for him to have quit when he was going to quit. He would have probably danced a jig and said, now I can get something done if I had quit. Why? Because we had allowed our lives not to line up with the power of the blood. The blood tells me to, that he is my brother in Christ, that we have been met with one redemption under one cross, and it's the blood of Jesus that washes us all clean. There is nobody in this room any better than anybody else. We are all sinners who have been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Now I'm getting ready to start preaching. I want you to look at your neighbor and say there's life in the blood. I want to show with you the significance of the blood. 
The blood cannot be lost in our churches. I'm going to start giving Pastor Todd literally my notes so he will stop preaching it while he does the transition. Christina actually hit and said, he's preaching your sermon. I said, I know. Jill Mathis leaned up and said, he does it every time. What that tells me is the Holy Ghost is moving. Now, I'm trying to behave myself, but you know that ain't going to happen. Listen to me. In Genesis chapter 4, it's the first time we see the significance of the blood covenant. Many people miss this initial evidence of the blood covenant. Because Genesis chapter 4 reads like this, verse number 10. It reads, it says, but the Lord said, and notice this, but the Lord said, what have you done? If This is when, when Cain has killed Abel and uh, the Lord has heard the cry from the ground. Notice what he says. But the Lord said, what have you done? Listen, your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. Now, this is significant. It's important. But the problem here is, as much as the brother's blood cries out from the ground, there's a mistranslation. We understand the first verse that people argue over is the first verse on how to properly translate in the beginning, and the people argue how to translate that passage. Here in Genesis chapter 4, verse number 10, there's a significant mistranslation that is that when you know the truth, you don't really argue over. Do we have that slide that shows it in Hebrew? I want to put it up in Hebrew for you here. Now, this is the actual. See, the thing about Hebrew is Hebrew has not changed very much at all through the generations. And so Hebrew, the ancient text of Hebrew, they literally read different than says your, his blood cries out to me from the ground. The literal, my goodness, I feel the Holy Ghost. I'm about to, somebody needs to get what I'm about to say. That, listen to this, the bloods, Notice it's plural. The bloods of your brother are crying out to me. It's not just the blood of Abel that was crying out. What God is saying is that in Abel was a righteous generation. That within him was a generation who would have been, uh, been raised to worship. Within him was a generation, I feel the Holy Ghost, that would have been raised to declare the glory of God in heaven. In him were those who would have offered acceptable sacrifice. But Cain came along and he killed a righteous generation. Now I'm going somewhere with this. And instead of a righteous generation, it was replaced with a repugnant and cursed generation that would dwell upon the earth in which we would find things like Babel and where Nimrod would create the pagan demonic worship of the world. Why? Because one generation was snuffed out and the blood of the righteous was crying out saying we wanted to serve God. Listen to me. This is important. The life that you're going to produce is in the blood. Not only is it the life that you're desiring, but the life that, my goodness, I feel the Holy Ghost. The life that you're going to produce is the life that will affect generations to come. 
You see, Cain had taken out an entire line of, of righteousness and suddenly a line of unrighteousness was propagating upon the earth. Listen to what I'm about to declare. You don't only need to encounter the blood for yourself, but your children desperately need a move of the blood of Jesus. You need to get your life under living like Jesus said to live. I know that's not popular preaching because we just want to feel better about ourselves. But can I tell you, I'm looking for some people who will pray till their kids can say and their grandchildren can say, I want to pray like mama prayed. I want to pray like grandma prayed. I want to be able to bring them. Listen to me, they're watching you. They're watching what you're doing. They're learning by what you're doing. Somewhere in this building, somewhere is my two-year-old, almost two-year-old grandson. He's a little fireball. I posted a video of him a few weeks ago. In the video, he set out, literally, he set out his stuffed animals. All around him, got up on the bench. Got his lint roller. He goes... And I, and I, and I, and I said, oh God, my grandson's a Baptist preacher. Come on now. And I, and I, and I. Watch this. Now, he moved on to us. Now he's preaching like Papa. Jesus loves you. Jesus loves me. Jesus loves everybody. Jesus and now it's got even worse. Now he's preaching like Pastor Todd. He goes, Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, fall. My favorite part is he said, fall on Nina. I said, I'm praying with you, son. Come on, amen. But what I'm trying to tell you is my two-year-old grandson hadn't been handed a bottle of beer with a, a nipple attached to it like a lot of people in the South were raised a few generations ago. My grandson hadn't been handled, handed the sinful things of this world. Why? He's declaring the goodness of Jesus loves you and Jesus loves me and Jesus loves this one and let the Holy Ghost fall on our lives. Can I tell you that God is good? You know what though? I'm not supposed to be that man but there's a couple sitting right back there who were, who were uh, lost and just trying to figure out how to put their lives back together after growing up in homes that alcohol controlled and generations and generations of Curses that had fallen on their families. A bunch of drunk Native American people who were supposed to be bound. I am not supposed to preach the gospel. But tonight, because they stumbled into an altar, they gave their lives to Jesus Christ. They got their life under the blood. Now, I am a product of the blood that cries out. He's a product of the blood that cries out. Why? Because the blood works. If you'll get your life under the blood, it'll change your children. Somebody said, but pastor, my children are grown. It's not too late. God wants to get a hold of you. God wants to move in your life so that he can move in theirs. Why don't you thank Jesus for the blood tonight? Amen. I was going to come over here tonight and be Dr. Allen. 
But tonight, I don't know what I am right this minute. But I got a word. I said the life's in the blood. The problem is this. When the life is found, religion wants to snuff it out. And so we have a problem with verses like Leviticus 17, 14. The life of every creature is in its blood. This is why I have said to the people of Israel, this is the Lord, you must never eat or drink blood, for the life of any creature is in its blood. So whoever consumes blood will be cut off from the community. Now see, here's what happens. Somebody gets a hold of that verse and creates a false religion around it, and now you got people dying because they won't take a transfusion. That has nothing to do with whether or not you sign up and give blood or you need to sign up and give blood. This has nothing to do with you receiving or giving a blood. This has a different meaning. Listen to me. I mean, people misuse that passage. You go to somebody with a steakhouse and somebody eats it rare and they go, they go you know what Leviticus says? I say, you take your burnt offering and go on. Come on, amen. <laughs> Is that all right? That wasn't even supposed to be funny, but let's go on. Here's the thing. They'll bind it up, wrap it in, you can't do this and you can't do that, and that makes it religion, which takes the power of the principle and turns it into an impotent process. It makes it of no effect because we've lost what he's trying to show us is the life is in the blood you see some of you are wondering why you can't get free you're wondering why you've been in that pool ten times and everybody else is getting it and you're not getting it you listen to what I'm about to say you've memorized every song you bought the t-shirt but the problem is you're caught up in a powerless process that's producing death you're not living under the blood you're not living under an encounter with the deliverance of Jesus Christ. Let me just explain this to you as best that I can in just a brief, brief couple of statements. You must acknowledge with intelligence because that's what equips you to be able to rightly divide the word, but it better start with an encounter with the Holy Spirit here. And what happens is, I'm not just trying to rationalize my life. I'm trying to honor what he did in me. I was going to preach a message, and I preached myself literally into that pool very early in this revival. And I got in the pool, and the next thing I know, they're floating me off. Some of you are going, I bet he floated really well. Come on, Amen. But they're floating me off because the minute I hit that water, everything wrong in my life had to go. The minute you hit the power of the blood, everything wrong in your life should go. Now listen to me. We need to have an encounter with the blood. To steal from the words of the old song, what can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? 
nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is that flow that makes me white as snow. No other fount I know. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. How many give God praise for the blood tonight? I, I, I don't know what time I started, but I'm not done. Exodus chapter 12, verse number 7 reads like this. They are, they are to take, after, after you've killed the Passover lamb, they are to take some of the blood and smear it. And the life's in the blood, and they are to smear it on the sides and the top of the door frames of the houses where they eat the animal. Let me go ahead and stop and tell you, I'm not telling you to go home tonight and get yourself in trouble with your homeowners association. You might have to deal with that president down the street. Come on, amen. But listen to me. The Bible says, Jesus said, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. He's talking about the door of your life. I can only imagine what would happen. Oh, I feel God in what I'm about to say. If every person in this room got the blood rightfully applied to your life, so that every sin you carried into this room doesn't go out with you. Watch what he says. He said, but, but the blood on your doorpost, verse 13, will serve as a sign marking the houses where you are staying. And when I see the blood, when I see what? The blood, I will pass over you. This plague of death, notice this, will not touch you when I strike the land of Egypt. You listen to the words of this preacher tonight. The power of this story is there's life in the blood and death can't cross the blood. Listen to what I'm about to say. The blood covered them so death could not claim them. If the blood stood for life, then death could not enter. Watch this. If a life is brought under the blood, it must close the door to the sin and the death of this world. You must close the door. Somebody said, all y'all are worried about is whether or not people get in that water over there and whether or not they get healed. No, I don't know how to preach the gospel much more plainly, that Jesus wants to change your life. Jesus wants to wash you whole, and he wants you to stay whole. Don't come in here tonight just looking for a temporary fix so you can go back out and, and live like the devil. Come on now. What you need to do is realize that the blood wants to take every sin that you've been carrying for 30 years and wash it out of your life. The blood wants to take you and set you free. But listen to me carefully. You better get the blood in your life. Because as long as there's an open door to sin, you'll never have him move in. As long as there's an open door that you haven't covered in the blood of your life, the blood of Jesus, and that's to cover that blood of that door in your life, listen to me, you will always have compromise. You, my goodness. I, would you do, I, I don't know where this is coming from, but do me a favor. Just kind of, I mean, just, just, just kind of do this. Like my wife, when she, says, when she says, you know, something like, you did a good job, baby, just because I took out the trash. It may seem, seem simple, but I go, Listen, why don't you just do that? 
Listen to me. God loved you enough to send you tonight because there's calling and anointing and victory in the house and he's looking for some righteous warriors who will lay down the sin that they brought with them and they will leave it behind and they'll get washed in the blood and they'll realize something. Death has no place inside of me because I've got the blood on my life. Now let me hurry. See, God wants to enter your world through the blood. But God will not walk across that death and sin. He's knocking at the door and he wants to paint it with his blood so he can come in. I think we have this wrong biblical image of, 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 of the stories we read. When somebody says, you know, put a little, uh, anoint them with oil, uh, we, we have this little dabble, do you? And, and in the last 20 years we've made it, now you make a little cross on their forehead. Somebody anointed the place I step off the stage not too long ago. They were praying, Lord bless the altars, and about took Pastor out when I hit it. Come on, amen. I said, don't anoint that anymore. But the true anointing is not a little dabble, do you? It was gallons. Gallons of anointing oil. I think when I start preaching to you about the power of the blood and the, the significance of what it would cover, we have, some, we have this image of this lamb and, and, and you know, I, I walked up yesterday. I, I ran up yesterday. I hurried. I received an emergency phone call that there had been a shooting and, and, and someone in our church was involved in the shooting. And, and I, was, I beat the first responders on the scene. And when I walked up, I, the very first thing I looked for was blood. Because I knew the life's in the blood. If there's a lot of blood, we're in trouble. But it's the opposite when it comes to our faith in Christ. Listen to what I'm about to say to you. One animal dying is a horrific example. But here's what you need to understand. In the scripture, we need to have a different picture because, listen to what I'm about to say, God walks through the blood. Listen to me. Let me explain that to you. The presence of God had dwelt from the days of David in the tabernacle. Solomon, his son, finished and built the temple. The scripture tells me that on the day, I'm, I'm about to get in somebody's world and, and you, need to, you need to let me come right there and deal with this. That on the day that they wanted to dedicate the temple, the day they were going to move the, 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 the presence of God from the temporary to the permanent. God just said, stop right there and explain where you're going. I'm, I'm like, but I'm not there yet. He's like, tell him now. Some of you need a touch from God, and that's all you want. But I didn't come to invite you to that tonight. I didn't come for you to have a little touch of revival and feel better about yourself and go home telling everybody what happened in Dawsonville, Georgia. I came in here to tell you tonight that there's a life that will get under the blood that is no longer temporary. That's not just for Sunday morning, Sunday night, and maybe a little hangover from it on Monday morning. I'm talking about when they cuss you out on Tuesday, when they take your job on Thursday, that you're still walking the way that Jesus called you to walk. I'm talking about living for him in a way that's righteous. It means I've decided this is not temporary 
temporary. It's going to be permanent. I've made up my mind. Come hell or high water, I'm going to be with Jesus. Listen to me. Though I ascend to the mountains, he is there. Though I go to hell, he is there. Why can't I be with him? Because the blood gives me entrance. But how? How does the temporary become permanent? The blood. If I'm out for blood, I can't live under the blood. If I'm out for myself, living like the devil, I'm not walking under the blood. Am I preaching truth tonight? Now watch, stay with me. On this day, Solomon sacrificed 22,000 cows. 120,000 sheep and goats. He sacrificed at the temple. As they sacrificed at the temple, it literally flowed down the street all the way to the temporary tabernacle. Why? Because the city street was full of life and death. There was death there had been sin, there had been all kinds of robberies, there had been all kinds of sickness, there had been all kinds of problems and struggles, and God walks through the blood. Now you're going, I just still don't get the middle picture. That when you sacrifice, listen to this, 22,000 cows, 120,000 sheep or goats, it literally, the, the historians tell us that it flowed up to the bridle of the horses. So that when they wanted to move the presence of God through the temporary to the permanent, they literally had to wade through the blood. And they went in and the priest put it upon their shoulders. They blew the ark. They, they worshiped. They danced. And the whole way they were walking, it wasn't about them. It was about the fact we're going to get the presence of God through the blood up the hill to where what was temporary becomes permanent. You haven't even began to see that. If that's how much it flowed on the day that he dedicated the temple, as the nation grew, at one point, the Talmud tells us that 1.2 million Passover sacrifices would be made in one day. That the moment the priest walked on, my goodness, what would happen if our pastors started walking on the scene covered in the blood, walking around realizing they're swimming through the blood that has been shed for the people? Pastor, what do you want tonight? I want you to leave here covered in the blood. But watch this. That means the only way it will become permanent, just so you know, somebody's going to encounter the blood and the water in just a few moments. Would you listen to this preacher? This is important. The only way it's going to become permanent is when I learn to walk not against my brother, but with my brother. Not living in sin, but living under the commands of Jesus Christ. And as I do so, not by might, nor by power, but by his spirit, what I'm doing is I'm walking through the blood. And that means that, but listen, somebody needs to get what I'm about to say. The next time that your old sin comes knocking on your door, you can taste it, you can smell it, you want it, you need to remember something. I'm not standing here because I brought myself on my own. I'm standing here because of the blood that flowed down Calvary's cross. I'm standing here free. I'm standing here delivered. And I'm not going back. I choose to stay 
in the blood. And that's the way you walk closer and closer and closer. And one day when we hear him say, welcome home, my faithful child, what was temporary shall put on permanence because the carnal will be put away and we will live under the power of the blood. How are you thankful for the blood tonight? All right, let me get ready to close. Let me get ready to close tonight. This is important. So we start in John one more time. Jesus follows, has carried his cross. Another man has carried his cross. Now you, you have a misunderstanding of the cross. I don't have time for this whole thing tonight. But listen, you think about three crosses on a hill. That is not what the Bible shows us. If you'll study the word in Greek, it clearly says, and over and over again, it says that he was crucified on a tree. He carried the cross beam that they nailed on a tree. Why? Jesus told us that. See, what blows my mind. He said, I have come to seek and save that which was lost. Not only the people, but to restore what was robbed from the people. Listen to me. And what was robbed from the people was the ability to look upon the tree of life. And he said, I'm going to become the tree of life. That whoever would look up can see me. Now watch this. I believe if you've been there, you understand there's rocks and there's dust. And I believe that when they dropped, let me go here because I, I want to be careful with this. They, they dropped that, that, that beam. I believe they dropped it hard. And I believe that there at the foot of that tree, that beam made an impression in the dirt. So that when they nailed him to it, not only was every beat of that hammer it was pushing that beam further into the dirt. So that when they lifted that beam up to the tree, there was a trough at the foot of that cross. Now the night before, Jesus made this very clear. He said, this is my body which is broken for you. Eat this in remembrance of me. But then he said something very important. He said, this is my blood. It's a new covenant. Now you've got to understand the way a covenant was cut was in the blood. There's life in the... Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the life. I am the life. Help me. I am the life. The My goodness, I feel him. Yeah, worship team, get ready. Come on. I feel Jesus. I love talking about Jesus. He loves you. He loves me. He loves all of you. Watch this. If I'm looking for the life in the blood and Jesus is the life and I don't know where to find him, there's only one place to find him. But the truth is we don't get it all. Watch this. They lift him up. They pierce his side. And the blood and the water flow down across. Now what happens when they flow down is if they find an impression, a trough, they feel it. Now that's interesting and important because the way you cut a covenant in Scripture was you had to dig a trough. Then you brought bread and wine to the trough. The trough was filled with a sacrificial blood. 
Now watch this. You exchanged over the blood, the sacrificial offerings of bread and wine. But in order to seal the covenant, I'm just going to tell you what the Holy Spirit just told me to remind you. This is why so many of you have prayed the prayer for salvation, but you have still lived like the devil. Is you stop short of sealing the deal. Watch this. The way you sealed the covenant was not just accepting the sacrifice, but it was meeting him in the blood. You had to get into the trough and walk the trough and meet him in the blood. The moment you met in the blood, until this point, you've got a deal. But at this point, it's sealed and unbreakable. God, send me with a word tonight that will affect generations of your family that will take you to walk in power that you did not know that you could walk in. It will break stuff off of you that you can't scrub off of you. But the only way you're going to find it is if you're walking and meeting Jesus in the blood. But there's a problem. Death cannot cross into the we want the victory of salvation. We want to pray a prayer and feel better about ourselves. We want our children to not carry the curses that we've carried. It's like saying, I don't want my kids to be drunk when you're laying drunk in front of them. And we want to be born again. But when we go to step in the blood, death starts pulling us back. I didn't say I came in here to get you to like me. I said I came in here to preach. Your addiction, your porn habit, your drugs, your Flirting with the person two doors down. You're walking a certain way because you want to smile at somebody the way that you want them to smile back at you. Watch this. All of that kind of sin has got to get out of your life if you want to meet him in the blood. But listen to this crazy preacher. If you will realize that that is nothing but death and it smells like death, it stinks like death, but in the blood is wonder-working power. There's victory. There's hope. There's anointing. There's future generations I invite you into the blood to meet the way the truth and the life I can't find him oh I can tell you where he is he's in the blood he's standing in the place of covenant waiting for you holy ghost stand with me in this place the pastor I want to be free, but I went to that altar. I went to that tank. But now I'm equipping your mind to have an encounter with your heart. Tonight, I challenge not only those of us who are leadership, but let the repentance return to the water. 
Let the repentance continue in the altars. Let the repentance fill the house. I have never seen such a careful handling of a, of a move of God as I witnessed. I literally witnessed this man carry this so carefully and so fragilely. I have never seen anything like it. But can I tell you, it's not, it's not him that carries it on his shoulders because I believe it's God that picked it up and put it on his shoulder. And he said, as long as people are hungry to meet me in the water, and they meet me under my blood, I'm going to meet them there and I'll change their life. I'll set them free. I want you to bow your heads in this place. I want you to listen to what this preacher is about to say to you. Anybody who knows me knows that I usually go straight for the, the, the center target, and that is to win the lost. But I came with a message for tonight for anybody who's been playing games with God. I came for the leaders. I came for the pastors. I came for the ushers for the people that drove for three days. I've come to tell you that if you will let his blood remove every ounce of death from your life, that he will give you an anointing, a life, a revival in your family that will last for generations to come. Now listen, if you're in this place with nobody looking around and everybody praying and you would say, Pastor, there's some death in my life that needs to get under the blood. Now listen, this is a sacred, holy moment. Don't you, don't you let death reign in you. I want to see your hand if that's you. If there's some death in your life that needs to get under the blood. Get them up high. Hold them up high. Hold them up high. Hold them up high. Literally, should be the majority of this congregation. Hands going up all over this room. Literally, all over this room. I'm, I'm not going to leave here the way I came. It, can, it should be elders and deacons. It should be, that, I'm telling you, it should be anointed people. It should be people who've fallen, who are ready. Who are ready for life those hands down in just a moment we're going to pray but listen to what I'm about to say to you God's going to meet some of you in the water tonight when you get in that water two things are going to happen the first and greatest miracle is you're going to encounter the blood that will wash you clean and the second miracle is the one you came after I believe it with all my heart I'm so thankful for the move of God I lived, I wondered, would I ever see a move of God in my generation? But it didn't come to you because of a show or because of a, of a broadcast that, that, or, or me talking about it on the radio. It came because somebody got along with God and then somebody got together under the blood. If you're here and you would say, Pastor, I prayed a prayer several times but I've not been really been living under the blood. I've not lived the way that I'm supposed to live for Jesus. Or maybe you've never given your life to Jesus Christ. I want to pray for you also. I didn't embarrass the others that raised their hand. I'm not going to embarrass you. And I'm, it's going to be just a moment before I pray. But if that's you, and you say tonight's the night that you want to settle your relationship with Jesus Christ, you want to know that you know that the temporary has become permanent because you're stepping in the blood. I want to see your hand right where you are. I'm not asking you to come but right one thank you put them up two thank you three put them up four five put them up six back in the back I see that quickly 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 God's moving seven quickly quickly I see hands all over this place thank you thank you thank you uh, nine, uh, eight nine ten eleven come on now twelve God's about to settle some relationships in this house 
But before he does, let's remind ourselves about the blood. Lift your voices. You know this old song of the church. just a moment they're going to sing it they're going to sing with all the passion that they know how to sing that in just a moment but you listen to what I'm about to say to you somebody this is the moment to rescue the generations of your family this is it tonight right here right now like my parents wandered to an altar you're going to come to this altar and you're going to lay down some struggles somebody I don't care what you're doing in this house. This is the most important thing in the house, and that's to get under the blood. The pastor's support with that statement. Maybe you said, I want to be one of those, uh, almost 17 at one point I, when I stopped, the hands were going up, uh, of people who said they want to know Jesus tonight. While we're singing this, if you are tired of living in a temporary state and you're ready to move into a permanent relationship, if you're tired of carrying that sin, if you're tired of feeling guilty when God's moving in the house, tonight's your night to find freedom. While they sing that, it's not baptism yet, but while they sing that, I want to open these altars and I want you to come. And altar workers, get ready. Get ready. I want you to come and I want you to receive the power of victory that's found under the blood. You're going, Pastor, do you really believe God can do that? No, I don't just believe it. I know he's about to do it. Jesus said, the word says Jesus healed all, all, say all. Somebody's about to get free of everything that's bound you while they say, I want you to sing it like your life just depends on it. Come on. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood These altars are open. Don't wait for the water right now. The water's coming. The water's coming. You come to the blood. Come to the blood. Come to the blood. Sing it out, church. Sing it out. Altar workers, you begin to minister immediately by the power of the Holy Spirit.
altar right where you are. Make an altar right where you are if you're watching tonight. You're going to be free. I'm little. There's literally freedom coming, coming, coming. We're just going to simply pray, and as I'm praying, we're going to prepare to get ready for baptism. But as we're doing that, I want, to, I want you just to pray along with me. And as, as I'm praying, I want you to pray and say, wash me in your blood, Jesus, and I receive your gift of salvation. That's simple tonight. We're going to make it as simple as possible, but it's about to change your life forever. Father God, I thank you for the anointing that's in the house. I thank you for the blood. Oh, hallelujah. I thank you, Lord, that stuff is falling off of people all over this altar right now, that they're getting free. They're getting delivered by the hand and by the blood of the Lamb. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father.